This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 394 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Mutzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's upcoming Bundesliga game against Mainz 05 and we will preview Tuesday's Champions League clash against Ajax. For all that and more, joins me Lars Paulmann. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, I'm doing fine. Enjoying the first days of autumn, my favorite season in the year, as you are now almost obliged to say fall. <laughs> well, Because uh, the leaves fall. I right. Guess. Yes, that's that's why. Um, yeah, it's I think twenty five degrees Celsius here right now. So uh, uh, does it's it's not, not really not very autumnal. No, not not at all. That's what I'm trying to say. But uh, I've heard the weather forecast here in Philadelphia says uh, it's going to get cooler uh, by Sunday. I know, very interesting for uh, the millions of listeners who've tuned in just for the weather forecast of Philadelphia. Um, but uh, yeah, what else is there to talk about? Oh yeah, right. Uh, Dortmund will play against Mainz on Saturday. Uh, Mainz right now are ninth in the Bundesliga. They have three wins to their name against Leipzig, Fühl and Hoffenheim. They have one draw, a scoreless one against Freiburg and three losses against Bochum, Leverkusen and Union Berlin. They've scored seven goals in seven games and they've only conceded five goals, which is why they're so relatively high up in the table. Their top scorer with two goals to his name, so it doesn't really mean much, is Ingwertsen. And the most assists with also two assists to his name is Onisivo. So also that does not mean much. So um, obviously it's going to be a very difficult game. Lars, uh, do you think that uh, having, I think Sascha Flick said today, 60 plus thousand people in the Westfalen is a big helping factor now opposed to the whatever was 25, 30,000 beforehand? Well, first of all, I think uh, 60,000 plus is a very optimistic viewpoint. Uh, checking it earlier today on Thursday as we are recording it, uh, didn't seem likely to me that they'll even scratch that uh, number. So unless there's a lot of uh, people um, making fairly swift decisions of going into the stadium on short notice on Saturday or whenever. I think it's not going to be as many and still no organized support, I think, by, you know, the ultra groups. So I'm not sure how much of a factor it's really going to be. But then again, I think uh, looking back at the game against Augsburg uh, ahead of the international break, I, I believed even then that because of you know the lack of organized support by by ultra groups and whatnot that the stadium wouldn't be too much of a factor but i think actually the the spark uh flew between the pitch and the stands and the same can obviously happen again against mines uh, it's an opponent that even though they are quite solid at the back as you alluded to earlier Dortmund are very much expected to beat at home and if that you know, shows itself to be true. I think uh, once again, the the players can ignite the fans and vice versa. So 
I think even if it's still not nearly, uh, you know, normal circumstances in the Westfalenstadion, it's still going to be nice to see a much fuller stadium than even against Augsburg. And I'm pretty sure that with a, a few more weeks, uh, it's going to be full again, uh, or as full as it gets uh, under current laws in Germany, or rather North Rhine-Westphalia, where Dortmund is situated. Right. So Borussia Dortmund have uh, switched routes from quote-unquote 2Gs to 3Gs, which basically means uh, before it was with the uh, 2Gs, either you're vaccinated or you're recovered from COVID, and the third basically means you can either be vaccinated, recovered, or just tested. So the third G means getested. Uh, Lars, what's your opinion on that, if you even want to opine on uh, the decision by the club and uh, you know the uh, ensuing criticism I mean I think it's obviously a little bit uh, hypocritical uh, because Hans-Joachim Watzke kind of anointed himself the, the champion of the vaccinations as the number one tool to get back to normalcy which uh, I think most of us are enlightened enough to understand is the correct logic Um I certainly would advise the roughly 30% or, or not 30, probably more close to 20 or whatever percent of the unvaccinated population in Germany to rethink their stance. Uh, but I can also understand that uh, Dortmund being a club that is basically a business uh, has to take other considerations into account. And given that law permits them to go to the uh, rules of 3G as you explained earlier I think I find it hard to kind of fault them for uh, doing so because uh, as I said it's allowed and you know why should they uh, hinder themselves in, in their capacity to sell tickets which is ultimately a very important financial factor for uh, a club with a huge stadium so obviously Given the statements made by uh, Watzke earlier in the year, it's a bit hypocritical, but I don't actually have too much of a problem with uh, the actual decision and, and certainly don't think it's uh, like catering specifically to uh, anti-vaxxers or whatever. I think it's it's not nearly uh, as sinister as that. No, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, just think of all the poor bratwurst that wouldn't get eaten if uh, you exclude another 20,000 from from that but uh i'm i'm hoping anyway that uh, most people that are going uh, are vaccinated uh, anyway i mean it makes your life a lot easier isn't it so that uh, in germany you have a, a vaccine passport thingy as a qr code uh, that you yeah. can like uh, use that's that seems very you helpful. have it in you have both the 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 paper uh Shine, uh, what's that in English? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, just call it the, 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 the note, the, I guess. The vaccine, yeah, the, the vaccination card. cards, I think, yeah. is, is what you have in, in the US or whatever. And we also get, uh, and even if you don't, uh, uh, my mother, for example, when she got vaccinated, uh, that was very early on in the process because she's a, a health worker, basically. So, uh, at that point, we didn't have any apps or whatever to um, show your vaccination status. So uh, she automatically got sent the QR codes uh, by uh, the health authorities, which I thought was 
surprisingly modern for for German <laughs> I and, know. Uh, and, 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 and German internet habits and what have you. Yeah, when my mom uh, explained to me that uh, she's just having this QR code on her phone and he's just, uh, she's just using it to go everywhere, I'm like, oh, that's surprising. First of all, uh, it's surprising that uh, this is <laughs> happening in Germany because, uh, you know, usually we're like uh, eight years behind everyone else. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. I also think it, it makes uh, the process uh, around the Westfalen Sharon much uh, faster in terms of people actually getting into the stadium and, uh, you know, being confirmed as one of the two or three Gs uh, for whatever is applied. So, um, yeah, uh, one of the Gs that Dortmund are uh, trying to reduce, obviously, is the Gegentore. Uh, and uh, I, I think with that, we can swing over to uh, Dortmund's uh, squat slash injury malaise. Uh, at least Gregor Kobel is fit to play, as far as I know, because uh, he did not travel to the Swiss national team uh, because I think he had knee problems and something with his toes. Uh so that should help, but Rafael Guerrero torn muscle fiber uh, on the uh, international trip, so he's definitely out. Um, Akanji, I think, should be fine, but there's still a bit of a question mark. He is at least in training, and uh, Marco Rosa said it was looking good. And uh, Thomas Muni is also doubtful. He has uh, toe problems, and he had to abort training during the week, so uh, it's probably more of a no. Um, otherwise, I think Reyna is still out. Um, that's uh, not cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, Dahoud is definitely going to be out as well with his knee ligament injury. Uh, what else do we got here? Hazard, he has entered training on Wednesday, so there's still a question mark behind him. Uh, Morey is back on a training ground, uh, but obviously still very far away from actually playing. Zagadou has been back in full team training for a week. And of course, <laughs> I didn't forget him, no, uh, Erling Haaland is uh, also doubtful. He is a bit touch and go, uh, might feature only on the bench and then get subbed on later. Um, there's obviously a lot of names I just rattled through and uh, I'm not entirely sure if I, you know, I have a complete list here. Um, what do you make of this jigsaw puzzle that uh, Marco Rosa has to solve now, sort of? I wouldn't even consider it that. I mean, uh, it's not like he has many options, uh, which I guess in a puzzle is usually your problem that you have too many pieces. In this instance, it's more a case of having very few pieces and <laughs> trying to make the best with them. Well, so I don't know the how you puzzle, be, but I usually, when I buy complete. a puzzle, it has the perfect amount of pieces. <laughs> you just have to fit them together. Yeah, but whenever you are looking for one piece... Uh, you have to find it in a uh, large pile of pieces. Right, but you don't have too many pieces. You're just missing the one right you're looking so for. <laughs> Whatever I'm sorry, the case I didn't want this to escalate into a puzzling debate. <laughs> I mean, I've never puzzled in my life. I'm what? Maybe, 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 why would I? I don't maybe, know. Just you, you the people the puzzle. Actual, I don't know. Maybe you need the actual hands-on experience to fully grasp the concept of puzzling. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yes. To, to me, I mean, there's not many options for, for Rose to choose from. So, I mean, Nico Schulz is going to replace uh, Rafael Guerrero on the left side if Akanji can't play. And I think they'll err on the side of caution uh, because of the Champions League commitments in the next few weeks and, and cup games and whatever. 
Uh, it's probably going to be Emre Can, um, who played in the friendly against Paderborn during the international break and has been back in training for a couple of weeks prior to that, I think. Uh, if Meunier can't play, uh, Marius Wolf or indeed Can, if Akanji can play, uh, would be your two options. Um, and, you know, the rest is basically the same as before the international break, I think. So, uh, you know... Plus maybe Haaland. Not, yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure they're not going to risk anything with him. And ah. uh, looking back at things, uh, when when he first started at Dortmund and didn't really have the capacity to go for 90 minutes, uh, if we remember how good he was off the bench and uh, that those qualities still remain. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's the worst idea to have Erling Haaland on the bench and if you don't need him great because he's certainly going to be even better with a couple more days of rest yes definitely um, did you watch Germany by no. any chance no because I was going to ask how uh, Mark Roy has performed but since uh, you didn't that's smooth now um, what I can report uh, from the Mainz camp is that Huck is uh, out after uh, he's uh, I don't know if he's recovering from COVID or is still not fit enough. Uh, Dominic Kaur, your favorite player, uh, he has a suspension after getting two yellows in the previous match against Union Berlin. And St. Just is also out with a shoulder injury. And uh, the old uh, Adam Schalai is out. Still, long-term injury I think he has. So um, not too many names there. Uh, any key players for you in that Mainz team? I don't know what role uh, Dominic Kaur is playing, if it's an important one or not. Um, what do you what do you make of uh, that? And uh, any Mainz players don't want need to look out for, or do you think it's more of a collective thing that makes Mainz so strong? Under uh, damn, now I forgot the name of the coach. <laughs> Bo Svensson. Bo Svensson. There we go. Um. I mean, as for core being out, I think everybody's legs in Dortmund's attacking department are quite happy with that because core is known to be a bit of a lunger in, in, into tackles and what have you. So uh, Marco Reus certainly rejoicing at those news I'm imagining. Um, I, th I, I seem to remember uh, Jonathan Burkhardt, who's now the captain of Germany's under-21 national team, even though he's been a part of that team for what feels like four years now. Uh, it feels like he always plays well against Dortmund. I think he uh, scored at least once against them as well. He's kind of that shifty, not really a striker, but playing up front type of guy that for example, Mats Hummels sometimes struggles with because he just can't really get a hold of him and, and while physically overpowering, of course, he's just not quick enough and, and loose enough in his hips and what have you to uh, to, to cover someone like that. So I think Bokard is a good good player to look out for uh, having a decent game against Dortmund or having, you know, those couples a couple of chances that, uh, you know, can decide. Uh the, the, the shape of the game, especially early on. Um, Mainz also have who was inarguably the best uh, player in the second division over the last two years in Jaesung Lee, uh, but he's not really hit the ground running at Mainz. I'm not entirely sure what what's going on there, whether whether there was an injury in preseason or whatever, because he's really way too good to not be a regular for Mainz. No disrespect to Mainz, but he's like really good, so uh, I'm Assuming he's going to have a breakout eventually, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the same names that, that have played over the last few years at Mainz. I mean, uh, Leandro Barrero, pretty good midfielder. St. Juice being out is, is quite big, especially if Haaland can play, because St. Juice is one of maybe two or three defenders, Alfonso Davies being another one, uh, that, that can actually uh, hold Haaland's candle in a foot race. Yeah, uh, St. Juice, if I Juice, remember correctly, has been heavily linked with Dortmund now. Uh, yeah, but that I think that was more paper talk. Uh, in the summer, he was also linked with Leverkusen uh, and a couple of English clubs. So he's de definitely a good player. He debuted for the Dutch international team before the Euros. Um, and what I was going to say uh, is that he recently set the Bundesliga record for the fastest player measured in Bundesliga history with the caveat that they only measured this since I think 2011 so at least in the last 10 years nobody's been clocked faster than that's still pretty Juice, good considering you know still, there were I mean, speedsters like Aubameyang Davis Haaland etc and considering he's a center half like he's not you know I mean he can play on the right side of the fence but he's not a hybrid player in in, in the vein of uh Joel Feldman, just because we talked about him before the show. Right. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a real centre-back who's just blazingly quick. So uh, if, if, if Haaland can play, I think that's an obvious area of concern for Mainz because they don't have anyone. I mean, Stefan Bell couldn't, uh, just to name the other guy of, of your meme duo. <laughs> uh, Robin Huck can't. Uh, I don't know how they how anyone will, will be able to run with Haaland, which is obviously something that Dortmund might be looking to exploit, even at home, where usually uh, dominance on the ball means you don't get into too many opportunities to let Haaland and Marlon and whoever else uh, run at the defense. Yeah, I mean, if I look at the last lineup, uh, it's apparently it was a 3-4-2-1. Something like that with uh, Bell as a left center half and then Sanjus in the middle and then you had Whitmer in the uh, right center half and then you had sort of uh, Brzezinski and uh, Lukorki. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, as, as the left wing back and then you had uh, you know, the double pivot, if you will, of Barrero and Core. So that's all all split up. So uh, I think Bo Svensson also has to jiggle around a couple of things uh, to make this uh, thing work. So I guess we can expect uh, Nia Kate to play and uh, maybe uh, David Nemeth. I don't know. He's a still fairly young Austrian player. Um, so he, he came in. Uh, he's a center back, but I'm not sure if he actually played there, uh, what, what the formation change was uh, in that game because I, I did not watch uh, Mainz lose to Union Berlin. I think uh, oh, they even... Uh, lost after being 1-0 up. So uh, mine's not in the best patch of form, but I feel like the international break always sort of uh, dampens what uh, form means, to be honest. I mean, they're winless in three games, one draw and two losses. Um, after I think they made it as high as fourth place in the league table at some point. So uh, to me, sort of the surprise team and uh, went there on, on a ridiculous trajectory uh, since both Vincent took over. Maybe uh, they're regressing a bit to the mean, but it's uh, too soon to say. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be the, the sort of game where Dortmund will be uh, really asked to create something with the ball again and something where I feel like Dortmund have struggled uh, every now and then. I feel like it's been streaky 
in terms of chance creation from a, you know a heavily possession thing. I feel like there were games where they were quite comfortable in doing so. You know, the Oxbook game, for example, I thought they created a lot of chances uh, ultimately, but uh, just, you know, didn't finish a lot. But there were also games where they really struggled. And um, I'm not quite sure what this is going to be, but uh, uh, yeah, I feel like mines will uh, mostly sit and wait for the old sucker punch. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm not expecting a mines team that really uh, proactively wants to have the ball and push Dortmund back into their own half. Um, this is sort of only a thing that I see happening if Dortmund are riding a one-goal lead, you know, in the final 20 minutes or so. But otherwise, um, I expect a straightforward win from this Dortmund team, whether they can pull it off or not, is uh, obviously entirely different. Um, I'm also not quite sure uh, how Dortmund will uh, fare with uh, Nico Schulz on the left and maybe Marius Wolf on the right. You know, this can happen. Um also, form-wise, would you start Emre Can ahead of uh, Axel Witzel right now in uh, holding midfield, or would you keep it like this? And uh, would Julian Brandt be on the starting sheet for you again? I mean, uh, not to get back into puzzle pieces, but I'm not sure who the alternative to Brandt would even be, uh, considering uh, the absences continued of uh, presumably Hazard and, and certainly Reina and Daoud. So I'm pretty sure that Brandt is going to be in the starting lineup and uh, with good reason. I mean, he showed decent form ahead of the international break and he's been in team training ever since returning from his non-vaccinated uh, COVID uh, absence early in the season. So if there's anyone who you would expect to start after an international break, it's someone like Brandt. Um, as for Jan versus Witzel, I mean... John is a, in my opinion, not a great fit whenever Dortmund play with a, a single uh, defensive midfielder or a, a, a solo sex, as some would say in German, uh, because he's. Uh, I, I just don't see he has the strategic thinking capabilities. I think he's better when he doesn't have to think too much about what he's doing, when he can just bulldoze uh, over people, uh, be that on the right wing uh, as he has done most often for Germany, I think, uh, or, you know, as the central midfielder uh, slightly ahead of Witzel or Dahoud, if Dahoud were available for this game. So I'm expecting it to be Witzel. Um, so, and, and then you, you mentioned also uh, Schulz and Wolf. I would argue that Wolf has been the positive surprise of uh, the last block of games after the first international break. Uh, earning and, and really earning more playing time uh, with each game and not just, you know, being the last resort kind of sub uh, late in the game. Um, he initiated uh, a very good move for the second goal against Augsburg, if I'm not mistaken, while playing on the left side. And then he deputized at right back when Meunier was out for like five minutes before Wolf had to be subbed off himself. But, but still, he, he's been decently surprising uh, over the last few games, so I'm not necessarily worried about him replacing Meunier. I think that might just be a like-for-like -like replacement in terms of performance uh, at the end of the day. And then Schulz, I think you could also argue that he, when he played earlier in the season, was doing better than what we had become accustomed to uh, with 
Schulz at Dortmund. So I think uh, the the system Rose prefers uh, kind of makes the role easier for a player like Schulz who has great athleticism. Uh, whereas someone like Guerrero who doesn't have the athleticism but all the the tactical and technical capabilities might you know not be the greatest fit but just be too good to not play all the time. I think Schultz is more a case of a player fitting the system very well and the system perhaps masking some deficiencies. Yeah, what I find interesting uh, on the uh, sort of sub between uh, Guerrero and Schultz is the role of Marlon because um, if Dortmund play in a normal setup, say with Haaland, uh, with Haaland and, and Royce in behind sort of, then uh, Marlon often drifts uh, very wide to the outside just so Giroud can cut inside, which he has successfully done uh, quite often recently. And uh, with Schultz, that's obviously um, not a thing. So that would mean that uh, Marlon is more on the inside and uh, how how that, uh, you know, alters his his play style and whether that uh, helps him or harms him. Um, that's something I'm going to have an, an eye on. And uh, obviously the other thing um, is is the uh, Brandt and Bellingham partnership in midfield, how that is uh, going to continue um, against Mainz. Uh, you know, Dortmund will probably need a lot of uh, early ball winning uh, and uh, some counter pressing. So I'm hoping that they can uh, improve on that, which uh, is hard to do during an international break where everyone is uh, scattered throughout uh, Europe or the, the globe even. And um, But but I really hope that this is a subject because uh, I don't want to see Dortmund run into too many counterattacks and I think Mainz are a team that uh, can do that quite uh, well, as they've shown before. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's... It can obviously also just be the sort of game where Dortmund just break Mainz early and it's going to be like 3 nothing after at, at halftime. It can happen. Mainz are quite solid, quite sturdy at the back. But uh, then again, uh, if Dortmund uh, figure, you know, have a tactical ploy, um, then they, they can get behind them quite easily. And uh, with uh, Mainz's uh, somewhat hampered back line, maybe there are a couple of... Uh, you know, lack, lack of automatism in, in the mad side where uh, Dortmund can bank on, maybe. I don't know. But uh, it's it's going to be probably, if I had to guess, not the most um, easy on the eye game because I feel like both teams have, uh, you know, some adjusting to do and maybe so the first 20 to 30 minutes or so might be a bit of patchwork. I think we've seen this quite a lot this season from Dortmund that uh, they had a slow start and uh, only later in the game really blossomed also through substitutions. I don't know if Hazard can come on as a substitute, but uh, I think when he's been brought on, he has helped Dortmund uh, quite a bit. You know, I think the Gladbach game is maybe the best example for that. Um, otherwise, I'm not entirely sure who even will be off the bench. You know, if Munier can play, okay, you know, Wolf will play, and uh, maybe Knauf will play if Hazard can't, can't but otherwise... Uh, I'm not really seeing Rose making uh, use of all his five substitutions. So, um, yeah. I'm 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 anxiously optimistic about this game, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know about you, Lars, but uh, if I had to pick a scoreline prediction, I think that we win this 3-1 again, which is, I think, the scoreline uh, from the last meeting as well, where it was Guerrero, Reus, and Brandt who all scored, and then I think Quaison scored like a penalty in uh, stoppage time. 
Um, I think mines have been kind of giant killers under uh, Svensson, if I'm not mistaken. They beat Bayern last season and definitely beat Leipzig on match day one this season while being absolutely ravaged by COVID. I think uh, Mainz had like 15 outfield players in the match day squad and at least a handful of those basically had no Bundesliga experience so we're all uh, from their second side. Uh, having said that, I think um, even given Dortmund's personal situation, you just can't pick against them at home against a team like Mainz. So I'm going with uh, a box standard 2-1 home win for Dortmund. I'll take it, especially with uh, Champions League football on Tuesday, where we, we shift our attention now to. Uh, Ajax obviously top of the group in the Group C after a 5-1 win in Lisbon against Sporting and then a 2-0 win against Besiktas. Um, obviously, they are right now uh, also first in the Eredivisie ahead of uh, PSV with a ridiculous goal difference of plus 28, even though they uh, lost their most recent game 1-0 uh, against Utrecht. Um, so yeah, they've scored 30 goals and uh, conceded only two, uh, which is an impressive feat, even if it's just or only the Dutch league, as people say. I, I think it's uh, <laughs> that's that's uh, speaks it of a, of a really good team uh, right now. Sebastian Allaire, uh, one of their strikers, is uh, the leading goal scorer in the Champions League with uh, five goals. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all <laughs> I've left to say about Ajax. Um, obviously, they're a really good team and uh, it's uh, not going to be easy to uh, go to the Johan Cruyff Arena and uh, beat Ajax uh, like Dortmund did. What was it, 2012? I think when they went there and won 4-1 where Marco Reus and Mario Götze combined for a really good game and uh, Lewandowski also had a really good game. Um probably one of the funnest uh, away days for Dortmund in uh, in the Champions League because it was such a good game from uh, for the entire 90 minutes. So Lars, uh, what can we expect this time? I mean, if it's anywhere as good as back then, uh, a lot, because I, I think that game has a sneaky good shout for being one of the like three or four best performances uh, under Jürgen Klopp um, alongside Uh, the win against Real Madrid in the Champions League semifinals and the absolute best game, no question in my mind, uh, under Jürgen Klopp was the cup win over Bayern. Uh, but that's kind of a tangent. Uh, what to expect right now? I mean, uh, given that we don't even know who's going to be available for Dortmund on Saturday, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to talk about a game on Tuesday. Um, I think both teams from a statistical standpoint can basically consider themselves in the knockout stages already. I mean, obviously, if if Dortmund beat Ajax twice or Ajax beat Dortmund twice, then maybe uh, Besiktas or Sporting get back into it. But, you know, given the state of the group right now, you would pretty much put your money on both teams advancing to the knockout stages. So this seems like a straight fight for the top spot Um which in theory gives you the better or I was just gonna opponent. ask, is it desirable? Yeah, I mean, who's to say after two match days, who's going to end <laughs> up second? I mean, I think over the last few years, it seems like things have evened out so much over the best, I don't know, handful or half dozen or whatever clubs in, in Europe that it's basically 
can be pretty much the same. But then again, you look back onto last year, and I don't know how many other teams outside of Sevilla Dortmund would have been favorites for in the uh, well, round of the last 16. So well, obviously you want to win your group so you can avoid Sheriff Tiraspol in the knockout stage since they are and also top presumably, of the Presumably, uh, can you, could Dortmund face Bayern already in the, the round of 16? I'm not even, I, I think, think it used to be not. the quarterfinals. But I think that's only quarterfinals, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, basically, you still want to win the group even if your opponent might be, it might not be t too much easier just because it means you had better results, get more money and, you know, winning or being better in the Champions League is always desirable. So yeah, it's more fun. <laughs> I don't know that you don't, you don't necessarily have to uh, workshop getting second for uh, a, a, an easier opponent or whatever. So, so you're saying it's not the Russian Grand Prix where you want to finish in second place so you can uh, be first after turn one is what you're saying. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> more yes, that was one hundred percent. You you absolutely read my mind from however many miles away, Stefan. <laughs> uh, so presumably this is going to be a straight straight fight for the group win. So that would usually tend to mean somewhat cagey matches uh, in the the direct heads up. But I think uh, from what we can tell from Ajax over the last few years and I mean still Eric Ten Hag as head coach it's still you know Tadic and uh, a lot of these other guys that, that have basically been playing for them for the last few years uh, some of them during that run to the Champions League semi-final when they were beaten at the death by Tottenham if I'm not mistaken uh, I don't think that Ajax or the Ajax DNA necessarily lends itself to games being cagey and no. calculated. I mean, I only watched uh, them in the simulcast of the first match day against Sporting. And that, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a shellacking of, of Sporting away from home uh, at the ends of Ajax. But I think uh, basically the commentator said at some point that it could have been 4-4 because Sporting also had quite a, quite a few chances and and Ajax scored basically with, with every other shot, uh, especially Alea, who scored a quadruple um, on his Champions League debut, uh, because obviously he was at uh, Frankfurt and West Ham before, so that's not a lot of Champions League minutes you're going to get there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that Dortmund and Ajax, just because they are two of the least controlled teams, it feels like, uh, of the, 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 you know, the, 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 the better Champions League sides, if that makes sense. So, uh, given, given that we can possibly assume that, I, I think it's going to be two fun games from like an outsider's perspective, but I think it's basically useless for us to make too many assumptions, uh, given we have no clue who's going to be available for Dortmund, basically. Yeah, and we're not entirely sure who will be available for Ajax too. I mean, uh, they right now have a bit of a goalkeeper trouble, right? Uh, I think that they they might have to play the third goalkeeper. Um, but otherwise, I'm looking forward to this game because uh, it's such a toss-up to me. Um, because uh, first of all, I'm looking forward to this game because I think this is one of the rare occasions where Dortmund actually have the luxury to uh, have fewer possession and play on a counter-attack which doesn't happen too often so um and and the uh the pitch 
quality in the arena in Amsterdam is usually always good. So that lends itself for a good game of football. You know, it shouldn't be a, a potato field like it was in Istanbul. Um, so that, those are things I, I consider and do look forward to, to be honest. And then, of course, um, just the uh, uh, way Ajax play, you know, sort of attacking football. It's 4-3-3 three, three, and, uh, you know, they will have their three attackers. And uh, obviously, uh, as per usual, it's about who is winning the battles in midfield, yada, yada. But uh, uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to to it because I think Dortmund will be tested in a way they're rarely tested because uh, they will have to endure a longer sense of possession by the opponent and uh, I am really uh, intrigued to find out how they will react to that because this season so far they haven't reacted to it well I think uh, they have sort of. Uh, uh, return to their shell like in the in the Favre days there's often a you know very passive style where they have just sort of huddled up around their own uh, area and uh, the two strikers are not really starting to press way uh, beyond their uh, you know or way before rather the own halfway line or the halfway line and uh, that's something I, I want to see change. I want Dortmund to be a bit more uh, on the front foot when they don't have the ball. I want them to press a little harder. But in order to do that, you need coordination, you need uh, fit players. And uh, yeah, those two are you know, things that I'm doubting right now a bit because Dortmund um, have so much turnover in the team right now that I'm not entirely sure uh, how they will ever really build uh, this sort of level of chemistry to succeed uh, in in the good pressing style, so we'll I have to see. I don't even know how hard Rose is working on that. Whether these are issues they are addressing, but uh, it's still something I'm looking forward to. And then of course, uh, as uh, I'm, I just said, at least uh, there will be a lot of counter-attacking situations, and whether Dortmund will make the most of it. If you think back to the cup win against Leipzig, for example, um, that was a, a game where Dortmund did have a lot of su success on the counter-attack and I have a hunch it could be similar to this game. Um, maybe Ajax will create a couple more scoring opportunities. But, uh, you know, knowing Ajax and when I usually watch them, there are a lot of things, but clinical usually is not one of them. So I was a bit surprised when you said they were against Sporting, though I think if you score five goals in the Champions League, you usually are very clinical. Um so, yeah, I'm looking really forward to this game. And uh, I have no idea whether Dortmund come out as winners or losers and whether Dortmund will be shellacked or shellack Ajax. I feel like it can really go either way. Uh, Lars, what's your prediction for that game? Um, for the sake of having a prediction, I'm going with a 2 all draw. All right. <laughs> That's uh, almost as good as my prediction because I was going for a 3 all draw. I think there will be uh, lots of goals and... Uh, I hope I'm not going to be proven wrong. Is there anything else you want to say on the Ajax subject? You know, highlight no. any players they have. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say I, I really like Neres and Tadic, but, uh, you know, I think everyone really knows who they are. And, of course, uh, we have to watch out for Davy Klaassen. And uh, Alea, I think, has scored a couple against uh, Dortmund before as well. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we should just leave it here and uh, just talk about those games uh, on Thursday next week. 
So Lars, in the meantime, please tell our listeners where to follow you on the interwebs. Uh, follow me or don't on the Twitter at Lars Polman. Awesome. You can follow me at Stefan Wolsko on Twitter and Yellow Warpot or at Yellow Warpot rather on Twitter and Facebook if you want to follow all of us and uh, you can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts which is YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And uh, if you want to contribute financially to this podcast go to our Patreon which you can find on patreon.com slash where you can become an episode sponsor if you will. And uh, that's it for today. Thank you as always for listening and goodbye.